Uh-oh. Oh, no. What? Okay, let's try that again, Audacity. Your Audacity just crashed? Yeah. I might need to restart. It's that kind of day. Too young for this trek. The final frontier. These are the voyages of... MC. Troy. And Eric. Their mission to introduce Tyler to strange new episodes. To seek out the best and worst media in the Star Trek franchise. To boldly go where several podcasts have probably gone before. Hey, it's recording now. Did you catch that episode of uh, Lower Decks? Yeah, I did. Nice. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really fun. Um, I, I quite liked uh, Rutherford's arc. It was really fun. Yeah. To see, like, all the sections and stuff. Yeah, that, um, what was that Klingon's name? Uh, Karan? Yeah. Kiran? Yeah, that guy was Kiran. awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, getting drunk and stealing the ship. Yeah. He... <laughs> I'm, I'm really digging that show so far. So, hey, guys, welcome to Too Young for This Trek, uh, the podcast where we normally uh, watch random Star Trek episodes with Tyler, who's never seen Star Trek. Uh, Tyler is not here today. Uh, actually, it's just myself, Eric, and MC. Hey. And this season, we've been trying to run through the first two seasons of Discovery before season three starts in, I want to say, nine weeks, is it? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we came up with this just bonkers schedule where we're trying to compile 20 episodes into like 10 it's it's more than 20 episodes right it's like yeah it, it's we're, we're doing something ridiculous which is on brand for the show by the way yeah it's always something ridiculous we're, we're just gonna do the story arcs like there's episodes that run together and mm -hmm. it's like it sort of tells a sh small story within the larger story of what's going on agreed and i think that's one of the cool things about discovery is that it's less episodic than a lot of the previous Star Trek series. Like, there really is, like, a continuing story, yeah. you know, throughout the season. So we actually decided to throw four episodes together for this one because we're insane. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 was... Uh, I, I had a lot of fun just watching them, but that was good. Like, I got to sit down and just binge watch them all uh, Friday night. Definitely. So if this is your first time joining the podcast, definitely check out our last episode. Actually, not the last episode, the episode before last, where we talked about the first two episodes of Discovery. Uh, yeah. Because... Um, last episode, we actually talked about the first episode of Lower Decks. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, um, yeah, that that was fun uh, to yeah. like initial. That was like real fresh thoughts. Yeah. Like we had just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that was that was kind of a rarity because normally it's Tyler that's new to the episode, but we were all new to it. We didn't even know the characters' names. <laughs> yeah. So which episodes are we watching this time? Um, episodes um, three, mm -hmm. four, five, and six, which is uh, Context is for Kings. Mm -hmm. The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Which is like the longest title ever, by the way. Yeah. Choose Your Pain. Mm-hmm and leith yep that's right oh how do we go into the alternate titles normally <laughs> i suck at uh this. well normally just like that like do you have an alternative title Let, let's yeah uh, so, but well this one's a little bit different because it's an arc yeah uh when giant tardigrades attack mushrooms whoa <laughs>
And Tyler calls it Have Shrooms Will Travel. <laughs> Welcome to the scope. I'm Captain Gabriel Walker. Captain, what am I doing on this ship? I have something on deck that requires every trained mind available. What the hell is going on on this ship? Have you ever bothered to look out of your spaceships at the little guys below? Go! There's a lot more of us down there than there are you up here. I'm sick and tired of getting caught in your crossfire. I think about what happened all the time. And I'm hurt. But there's hope. We must win the war. So I kind of call this like the USS Discovery arc. I mean, because basically the first two episodes were about the Shenzhou. The Shenzhou. Is that how you say it? Senzo? Shenzhou? Shenzhou. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Mm. Um, and this is really episode three is where the series actually begins. Yeah. And we're introduced to Captain Lorca. We're introduced to the crew of the discovery and there's a lot of mystery there like right off the bat <laughs> like, yeah have there's no a idea lot what's of mystery. going on yeah so since troy's stuck in the mycelium network right now he actually sent us uh his summary of these episodes so let's give that a listen yeah priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel all right summary here we go in Context is for Kings, mutineer and space prisoner Michael Burnham is being transferred to a new space jail in her space prisoner transport when the pilot gets eaten by Minox, who wandered over from 20th Century Fox. What's that? Disney renamed it? There's never going to be another movie that says 20th Century Fox at the beginning? No! Anyway, Burnham gets picked up by the mysterious Starship Discovery, a big, round, wheel-inspired Starfleet ship that's super mysterious, and is staffed by crew who wear mysterious half-black combatches while running all sorts of mysterious experiments under the command of Captain Lorca, who likes to keep the lights low because it makes him mysterious. We meet all sorts of fun new crew members on the Discovery, like Cadet Sylvia Tilly, who's just so awkward and cute, Commander Ellen Landry, who's definitely going to be a regular part of the show and won't get eaten in the next episode. Lieutenant Detmer and First Officer Saru, both survivors from the Shenzo. And Paul Stamets. No, not the famous mushroom scientist from Ohio, the famous mushroom scientist from space. The big rub of this episode is that Lorca seems to have a space crush on Michael Burnham and keeps shoving her in everyone's face. When the Discovery hears that its sister ship, the George? Jack. Oh, Glenn, that's it. When the Discovery hears that the Glenn and all of its crew died by being twisted up all weird and then attacked by Klingons and then attacked by a scary space monster, on that later, Lorca even solves that problem by rubbing Michael Burnham in its face. Burnham confronts Lorca because she thinks that he's making space biological weapons, so he shoves her own face in the- Wait, she shoves her in her own face? That's it. By showing her his crazy mushroom-powered engines, which, when she looks at them, flashes her to, like, looking at a whole bunch of different images of different planets, which is not at all how any of this technology works, so apparently she's just tripping balls. In the end, Lorca decides that Michael Burnham is a pretty handy face-shoving utensil and invites her to stay on the crew so he can keep shoving her into things' faces, like the big scary space monster that he and Landry secretly brought over from the USS Gary. So just like with the first two episodes, we gave uh, Tyler some questions to answer and he sent in some audio. Hopefully this works. First of all, can I just say... 
the USS Glenn, for some reason to me, is a very funny name for a ship. Um, I don't know why it makes me Google. I'm sure it's named after someone great because, you know, uh, Star Trek ships usually are named after like great explorers or something like that. You know, like the Great Explorer Enterprise. Um, I don't know if the Enterprise is actually a person. I was trying to make a joke and then I was like, what if it is named after a person? Anyways, um, (laughs) so the episode ends with the Lorca calling out to the creature, Here, kitty, as the creature attacks its force field. So I know, Troy, you're probably thinking, that's not actually a cat. That's just sort of vaguely the mention of a cat. But I don't expect there to be many cats in this series. So I have to take what I can get. And I'm actually going to throw this over to Eric. (laughs) I I saw Eric's fiance posted the other day that, um, let me find it, I took a screenshot. So Eric's fiance posted on Facebook, Eric just described one of our cats as emotionally intelligent. So Eric, what's the story there? I'm waiting. (laughs) So I remember her posting this. I don't remember what led to her posting this, but it sounds like something I would say. (laughs) Yeah. So we have this cat Meep and she's like an alien, man. She like the way she looks at you. It's like she's like staring into your soul or she's like trying to figure out, figure you out, like, like find your weaknesses and shit. Like she's like psychoanalyzing you. And it's really creepy. I don't know. It's just weird. Like the way she she'll stare at you. She's like, huh, why are you doing that? Like be like going about my day. And I just look over and she's like staring me down. She's like, she's one of those cats that's like way too smart for her own good. You know? Okay. I'm assuming you've answered it by now. (laughs) So we're going to get into the questions. But before that, I have one comment I want to make before I forget. And it's that, like I said, for some reason, naming a ship, the Glen is funny to me, and uh, there's particularly a part that made me laugh, and I'll insert it right here. We're dropping out of warp, approaching the Glen. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, hearing people say, now approaching the Glen makes me laugh. Um, I feel like if I had a friend named Glen, I would repeat that line like any time <laughs> I was like near them. Which, you know, in the time of COVID, wouldn't be often, probably. You know, you got to keep your distance from the Glen. Anyways, let's get... All right, I got to respond to that. <laughs> um, the USS Glenn is named after John Glenn. I I, I feel like if you're going to name a starship after someone, like he, he kind of... You've heard of John Glenn uh, before, right? Isn't he an American astronaut who... He was the first at something, wasn't he? So he wasn't exactly the first person in space. He wasn't even the first American in space, but he was the first to orbit the Earth, and he did it three times, which back in 1962 was kind of a big deal. Okay, there we go. But, like, not only that, he was a World War II hero. He fought in Korea, and he became a Democratic senator who then went back into space as a senator aboard the space shuttle Discovery. So, like... Well, that's probably why um, he kind of got a shout out in this show, I'm guessing. Yeah, like, I I thought it was kind of clever. Yeah. The more you know. I mean, they they have ships called, like, the Bradbury. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of ships named after people. Now approaching the Glen (laughs) makes me laugh. Um, I feel like if I had a friend named Glen, 
I would repeat that line like any time I was like near them, which, you know, in the time of COVID wouldn't be often probably, you know, you got to keep your distance from the Glen. Anyways, let's get into these questions. All right. So we have one from Troy today and Troy asks, how would you rank all the Starfleet captains you've seen so far? <laughs> all right. So let's see, who have we seen? Uh, in Discovery, we've got Lorca, we've got Giorgio. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Troy means in the greater universe, not just in the series, because <laughs> that would be weird to just rank those two. Um, then we've got, I forgot the one from Voyager's name. Oh, I no. also forgot the one from Deep Space Nine's name. Janeway. Uh, then we have Kirk, Picard. Um, technically, Sulu was a captain in an episode. Uh, <laughs> this is hard because I can't remember their names. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'm going to put Picard, Kirk, Sulu. Oh, the Voyager one is Janeway. I remember that. I'm not putting her next. I think she's at the bottom <laughs> of the list right now just because the one episode we saw wasn't that great. Let's just start. We've literally seen <laughs> one episode of <laughs> Voyager on the show. I promise we will watch more after Discovery. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get back to um, introducing Tyler to random episodes of Star Trek once we get through this season. Definitely. I think I think we're going to have to like mandate that after Discovery, we're going to just have to focus on DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise episodes for at least a few months because we've seen very little of each of those shows so far. Oh my god, we've seen so much of the original series. <laughs> I mean, I love it, but you know, there's there's more Star Trek out there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Let's just start this over because why am I putting Sulu so high? I only put him so high because I remembered his name. Um, yeah, so I think Picard's going to be number one. <laughs> I, I, I think that one's pretty spot on i, I think Riker was technically a captain when we saw him at one point and i shouldn't talk about that that's spoileries <laughs> um anyways so we're gonna put picard at the top i guess kirk is number two i've seen so much more of tos than any of the other series then at number three i'm going to put the captain from deep space nine <laughs> wish i knew his <laughs> name uh, i don't i do not know his name um and then we will put Janeway, I guess. Well, I don't even know why I'm putting her there. I haven't seen enough. Uh, and then I'm going to put Lorca above Giorgio, which seems bad, but Wait, because what? I've seen about the same amount of both of them and kind of we'll talk more about Lorca later. But I don't know that I like him. Huh, I wonder why that is. Sorry. I'm putting Giorgio at the bottom because... In the two episodes I saw with her, she didn't seem like that great of a leader, but it could have just been like her and Michael clashing so much. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see more of her later and we'll know more about her and maybe she'll improve. But yeah, she spoilers didn't really scream like leadership to me. Like she kind of Michael seemed to be running the show more than her. Yep, Troy. So thank you for that question. <laughs> I hope I can provide a better answer later. Uh, let's see what Eric has for us. All right. Eric starts this out with a classic question. Was there a triple? I don't think there was a triple unless maybe those 
electricity eating aliens like those were tribbles maybe there's an episode of futurama with uh these creatures that eat uh like oil and so i imagine that they were based on tribbles so i could see tribbles eating like a power source i think they get called out a name but i don't remember what name michael says they are so maybe she said tribble i don't think she said tribble i would have remembered it anyways that's a pretty funny theory so I want to point out there was a Tribble in this episode. Did you spot it, MC? I... Now, we, we can't say what it was because Tyler clearly doesn't know what a Tribble is. Uh, I, I know the scene, yes. But yes, there is a Tribble in this episode. Uh, then Eric says, what's up with the Black Alert? I forgot to mention that in the summary. So there are, there are these, there's these officers that have um, black badges that are presumably some kind of like you know top secret security people i i don't know i don't know what they're hiding <laughs> but um i think they get called like there's like an alarm goes off at one point because there's like some water condensation happening and i think that was a black alert and that condensation is like a byproduct of the whole mushroom travel system. Everything I just said was gibberish. So what do I think's going on there? I don't know. I just, I said some words. What do you think is the deal with the black combatches? So <laughs> I thought those two things were, I thought that was the same question, but I guess they're two different things. I guess the black alert was just the water condensation thing, which I'm guessing is somehow related to what destroyed the Glen and killed everyone. Uh, so the guys with the black badges, like I said, I think there's some kind of like CIA, you know, FBI, top secret Starfleet people. What do you think Lorca wants Michael to help him? Oh, why do? Um, I think it's just because she's truly like one of the brightest people in Starfleet. I did choose you, but not for the reasons you think. Your assumption that the Klingons were waiting in ambush at the binary stars was predictive chose to do the right thing or went above what was sanctioned even a great cost to yourself and that is the kind of thinking that wins wars the kind of thinking i need next to me universal laws for lackeys context is for kings so what's it to be michael what's in your future what do you wish for? Atonement? Redemption? Maybe with the assurance that the captain you lost didn't die in vain. You helped start a war. Don't you want to help me end it? Her having the background with the uh, Vulcans probably gives her some kind of advantage there as far as like logic-based system designs. So, yeah, I think he probably has good intentions now i'm second guessing that eric thanks <laughs> thoughts on captain Lorco? so but he he's doing a lot of guessing in there i i'm sure he's seen a lot more since then but it's just funny hearing what he thinks before uh it actually ha uh, it gets revealed yeah oh, the black alerts like when that first happened i was like what the hell is a black alert <laughs> i kind of liked it because you know, I like that there was a little mystery in there, you know? Yeah. There was, uh, stuff we hadn't seen before, even though this was sort of a prequel, you know? Yeah, and then just, like, 
the whole why would he want Burnham? Yeah, which and they kind of reveal a little bit later. I don't know if I like he's sorry. We can't get into the spoilers. We right. can't. No, not yet. No, no, we'll get there. <laughs> For yeah. Tyler's sake, seems like he comes from old money. His family <laughs> old money. had a business of fortune cookies, and he still got fortune cookies to do, to this day. He seemed kind of like he missed the days when there was. Um, need for money because probably because it allowed his family you know they had that fortune cookie market like really pinned down like they were probably rolling in the dough and then here comes a long star fleet like society no longer has like the need for food and money and yeah they just have unlimited resources so now he's just on the same level as everyone else except for he's not because he's the captain of a ship so yeah I think he longs for the days when humanity wasn't equal because he was at the top, or at least his family was. That's a pretty interesting theory, Tyler. And I think he maybe enjoys war. He seems pretty like he has a boner for war. (laughs) Uh, Eric also says, what the fuck is going on with the Discovery? I don't know. (laughs) The same thing that was going on with the Glenn, I guess. Um, Yeah, it seems like everyone on board should probably have a better idea of what is going on than i think they do thoughts on the science stuff mushrooms quantum physics uh so yeah i don't understand how the mushrooms are connected at a microscopic level or something like that i think they said um yeah are there like little 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 tiny like mushroom particles just all over the universe and then they can travel through those somehow that's what it seems like they're saying which seems kind of crazy (laughs) <laughs> with the whole mushroom network, it there's a ridiculous scene there where mm. she's in the chamber at near the end of the episode. I know exactly she, what you're talking about. <laughs> she like jumps. Like, That's ah, uh, it's so weird. Well, at first I thought it was like a presentation, like a holographic presentation that he put together, because like he was showing like Vulcan and Andoria and all these other places. But like the way they use the spore drive, it doesn't work quite like that later it, on. It's like a hyperspace where it's like mm. almost instantaneous travels possible. So the only new characters I really remember are Lorca and Tilly. And I guess the lead scientist, but I don't know his name. And he didn't have a... Um, memory alpha page so i feel like he's probably not going to be that important of a character is he talking about stamets yeah is he saying that stamets is not going to be an important character (laughs) that's what he's saying um so he's a mushroom scientist Mm -hmm. essentially named after a mushroom scientist that's right he's named after a, a real scientist yeah what were your initial thoughts about Stamets? I, I I thought he was a little bit uptight. Yeah, that that that's about it. Uh, I uh, I thought he was a bit stuffy. Uh, like yeah, he, I. But then again, it, Michael is a criminal essentially, so yeah, it might be a bit understandable. Yeah, everyone was like really offstandish about Michael at first. They didn't trust her. So when we first meet Stamets, I kind of thought he was a dick. 
like I, I i was like what's this guy's deal and like later on like the more you get to know him like he's become one of my favorite characters on the show i think he's great but it's interesting the way they introduced him from that aspect you know and like you kind of warm up to him but like he's really like kind of a like that first scene where he's explaining the spore drive like he's kind of an asshole about it you know <laughs> yeah um oh it's in one of these episodes where he where where it first starts showing up like oh okay he's not a complete dick right when you can tell why he's upset it's because like the military's co-opting his experiment basically yeah like he just cares about the science and they want it you know for tactical reasons which is really messed up and like that constantly happens throughout history like look at like the atomic bomb but i really do like the way that they show colber and stamets relationship especially in these early episodes i think they did an awesome job establishing that it's like it's done in kind of a subtle way you know like and they don't shy away from it especially that scene with them like brushing their teeth like it was like it was kind of a nice moment you know um but yeah i thought tilly was okay um Lorca is more interesting so he might be my favorite but i think tilly's more likable she's just like a big nerd who wants to be a captain so if she makes captain that'll be more impressive than sulu making captain maybe i forgot to list sulu in my list of captains sulu would be at the bottom of the list because at the present moment i don't think he's very competent <laughs> I haven't seen him do one thing that makes me think that he would be a good captain. So I think that we should probably point out that Troy loves Tilly. He says she's oh, yeah. the absolute best, <laughs> and I, I like her too. I think she's a great character. Yeah. This is so neat. They uh, they told me because of my special needs that I couldn't have a roommate, which is kind of a letdown because a roommate is like an automatic built-in friend and. And then they told me that I was going to have a roommate. And so now I, I guess that's you. She's kind of like the Wesley I, of the show. Sort of the audience in, I guess, you know. Yeah. At this moment, Tilly's just this bubbly nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, but like all the characters, like, right at the beginning, are just like a part of that character that you are seeing right then. They yeah. evolve so much during, like, all of them. They really do, which I I think is amazing. Um, it's another thing with this series that's so different from a lot of the previous Star Trek shows because we we see a character arc, you know, like a lot of times, yeah. like in, in TOS, TNG, like these characters are already established, they're archetypes, and they don't really have, they don't go through a lot of changes as the show goes on. It's everything else, you know, outside of the crew. But in this show, like, the whole crew is different season to season which i think was a really cool choice uh i think uh this really started out with uh deep space nine definitely and that was ds9 was like the one that um you know it kind of was it started the whole uh story arc thing really yeah you had whole season arcs and stuff there was like a 10-parter at one point i want to say this really does feel like a spiritual follow-up to that in a way, you know? It's how I learned that the real world isn't always adhere to logic. Sometimes down is up. Sometimes up is down. Sometimes when you're lost, you're found. That's it for this episode. So I really enjoyed this one. It was a lot more interesting than the first two. I'm curious to see where the story goes from here. There's like 
you know, mysteries forming, like what's going on with the discovery? What's that creature doing? Why are they keeping that creature on the ship? Because it's going to get out and kill everyone. Probably. Where did that creature come from? Is it somehow a byproduct of the mushroom science? I guess we'll find out in the next episode or so, like probably like five, six episodes. We'll, we'll see. We'll be back. Awesome. He has some good guesses there. Yeah, definitely. I'm Troy. And I'm MC. And we host the best animated shows ever, so far. Where we watch, discuss, and rank every animated show ever, eventually. Listen in by searching for the best animated shows ever so far on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or head to probablywork.com. Join the conversation by finding us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by searching Base SF Cast. That's B A S E S F C A S T. And don't change the channel. Now we're going to start talking about. Episode four, The Witch's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. It's the longest episode title ever. <laughs> the Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. The Discovery is no longer a science vessel. It's a warship. If we're going to win this thing, we have one chance to get it right. We received a distress signal. I told you we'd be ready when you called me are. Go. Open containment plans, not a good idea. Collision is imminent. Shields up! I'm sorry. There's a lot going on in this episode, so I'm going to break it up into storylines instead of going chronologically. First, let's talk about the Klingons. You remember that albino Klingon from the finale of Star Trek Shenzo? Well, apparently he and the girl Klingon from that have been stuck in the same spot for the past six months because their super cool ship got broken up real bad and then just left there amongst the wreckage of so many Federation Klingon ships. Clearly, no one from either side has returned to this site or they would have either been blown up or they would have helped them, right? That'll come up later. Anyway, the jerk-ass Klingon shows up and is like, hey, your spaceship's pretty cool. Let's be besties. So he stays on their ship with their entire crew, while the albino and the girl go by themselves in order to steal hubcaps off the Shenzhou. But when they get back, he's like, oh, JK, I gave your crew food, and now they like me more than you. The girl Klingon eats a sandwich, and then betrays the albino by sending him to die on the Shenzhou. Except then she shows up on the Shenzhou and is like, oh, I've got a devious plot. Back on Discovery, Lorca is tasked Burnham with figuring out what a meal plan for the big scary space monster likes to rip people apart should be. They've cleverly named that thing Ripper. First she tries to feed it with stern Vulcan stares, but he doesn't like that. Next she lets him eat Commander Landry, but she's not very filling. Finally she feeds him a bunch of stamens and space mushrooms and he trips balls and takes a nap. In other news, Klingons are attacking an outpost that no Federation ship can get to in time, so Admiral Mon tasks Lorca with using his mushrooms to trip over their ASAP. It doesn't work for a long time, and Stamets and Lurka yell at each other a whole bunch. Then Stamets and a nurse or a doctor, I'm not sure which, yell at each other. And then Lurka yells at the whole crew. Then Burnham shoves Ripper and a bunch of mushrooms into the engine, and they trip over there and save the day. Whoosh. Meanwhile, uh, Burnham got a package in the mail from, from USPS, Save the Post Office, and inside it's got the telescope that was on Giorgio's ship, the Shenzhou, which got destroyed. The, the Shenzhou that I was talking about, no one could have possibly have gone there, or they would have dealt with the Klingons, so that's weird. 
So time for questions. Um, I'm going to revisit one that wasn't asked of me this time, but yeah. So Troy's question about who's my favorite captains or like ranking all the captains. I didn't feel like I did a good job of that because I forgot Cisco's name and I completely forgot Archer existed. So <laughs> I took some time off air. And came up with my definitive Oh, that was great commentary by uh, Tyler there. Yeah, uh, because when we were listening to the last episodes, uh, Annie uh, got to that. We kept saying Cisco's name mm -hmm. whenever he forgot it. Yeah. And um, I totally didn't even realize he didn't mention Archer. Completely missed Archer. Everyone always forgets about Archer. Poor Archer. Yeah. <laughs> of ranking of all the captains that I know about. So here we go. At number one, we've got Picard mainly because I've seen the most of him. At number two, we have Archer. Uh, I know I forgot he existed, but, you know, <laughs> he seems like a pretty cool guy. Like, he seems like he'd be, like, a little more conservative than I would like politically, <laughs> but he also seems like he's accepting of other people. I don't know. Archer's a That's dude. not a good description of why it's number two. Except but anyways, so number three is Giorgio. So... I think I was a little hard on her previously. I think she's probably a great captain, just not in times of war. Uh, she's probably great at all the exploration stuff. And then, you know, her getting eaten, I felt bad. So that, that definitely moved her up in the rank. Um, number four, we've got Cisco. Uh, he possibly has some mental issues, but he seemed <laughs> like a pretty good dad. That's something. Uh, then we have Kirk in number five. Um, he's not the most racist or sexist on the ship. Uh, he punches good. Then we've got Lorca. Um, he's definitely hiding something, which makes him really interesting. Like, he's probably a bad guy, but he's interesting, and so that makes him good, I think. What do you think of Lorca? Or at least at this point in the show. Do you remember what your initial thoughts were? I, I knew something was up with him. I thought it was very shifty, especially with him, like, kidnapping essentially a criminal mm -hmm. uh because he's totally not even shy about it um really that he orchestrated uh michael's transfer and getting stranded on the shuttle so i, I think jason isaacs is great in this role i mean clearly something's going on here uh yeah there's he's hiding something right yeah, totally. Especially <laughs> with like um, the war room, uh, as I've uh, like calling it. He's um, got a Gorn skeleton in there. What? What's that yeah. about? <laughs> He's got so many weapons. Yeah, what kind of Starfleet captain like hoards like Romulan and Klingon weapons? Yeah, I like. I didn't trust him from the get go. But like I said, I love Jason Isaacs. Um, do you do you follow him on Twitter at all? No, I don't. He he's awesome. He's so outspoken about how much he hates Trump, and he's like constantly like giving him shit. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> like for the past five years, he's so. But he's hilarious. He's like really funny on there. Um, uh, definitely check out his Twitter. I, it's awesome. <laughs> I I'm mostly. Uh, remember him as uh, his other big role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he was Malfoy's dad in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> he was he awesome. Was Lu Lucius Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy. I'm just going to call him Malfoy's dad from now on <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast. Captain Malfoy's dad. 
Loco Malfoy. Yeah, he's a good villain. Like he's always typecast as villains, and maybe that's why. Like right away, I was like, oh man, yeah, I no, trust him. <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't work it out because mm-hmm. he didn't have the long blonde hair. Yeah, I couldn't work out why I didn't trust him until <laughs> I remembered. Oh right, that's well, Malfoy's dad. Well, there's another interesting aspect of his character, like it just from an acting standpoint. He has a British accent, and in this show he doesn't. Like he has an American accent. Or maybe it's a Texan accent. I don't know. It's he has an accent, but it's not a British one, which I thought was kind of a cool choice, you know? Uh on the other end we have Jane Way, who I've only seen one episode of Voyager, and it was a bad episode. So I'm sure she's better than this, but she was very boring <laughs> in that episode. And in last place is Sulu. He is the biggest boner of any ship he is on. So with that, let's get into the question (laughs) specifically for this episode. So we've got, what are your thoughts on the episode title so far? Battle of the Binary Stars, Context is for Kings, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb Slaughter, etc. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I did think that the title of this episode the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb slaughter is super long if the reference is to something i I don't get it but i mean the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb slaughter i guess (laughs) makes sense for this episode because at least with the uh, tardigrade in mind you know the captain doesn't care about hurting him to get what he needs um, so next is, what's your stance on giant killer tardigrades? Well, I mean, this one seems like a good boy. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I'm, I'm hoping they figure out, you know, a way to use this ship's spore drive without hurting him. You know, that'd be great. I'm also I'm curious if he is a normal tardigrade that just accidentally got made big by like some of their experiments or... If he's a space tardigrade, that I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, okay, that one's not a question. It just says R.I.P. Landry. Uh, yep. In case you didn't talk about it already, what are your thoughts on the design for the USS Discovery? How cool is that jump effect? So yeah, um, I, I like the Discovery's design, and it's mostly because the saucer part of it spins. And uh, that's really cool. <laughs> the jump effect is when it does the spinning. It also, the ship like flips upside down and stuff when it jumps. And yeah, I, I really like the effect. It was cool. It's so weird. It's like folding the universe kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of, what do you think of the jump effect? Because that shows up in these episodes. Like the design we... of the ship and everything, like with the spinning saucer. Yeah. Uh, I I was like I didn't really understand what was going on, and then when everything happened, it was like okay, that was a cool effect. Mm-hmm. Like I I thought it was it looked visually like oh okay they they have something in mind that they they want to show you like yeah it, it's this isn't like a normal ship mm-hmm. definitely yeah I was a little thrown off by the design at first, but I really warmed up to it. I think it's a great ship design, and the fact that that like the design has a function you know like there's a reason i guess like they don't really explain it that well but there is a reason for the ship looking a little bit different from other federation ships which i thought was really cool i also kind of like like the elongated nacelles on it uh i thought that was a really cool um i thought that was a really cool choice yeah you know 
Uh, did the science techno babble make sense? No, uh, nothing about <laughs> the spore drive makes any sense to me. I are they shooting <laughs> down to go through like these like really small like tunnels that connect all? It's because quantum physics. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, oh. that, that that's that's how they explain away anything these days. Is quantum mechanics, quantum physics done? Well, you, you you don't understand that. Well, because the <laughs> theoretical physicists don't understand quantum oh. physics. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, this is one of those things, it's like the force in Star Wars. You just got to roll with it, I think, you know. There might be some science behind this. I, it's way over my head, that's for sure. Yeah. Mushrooms, even in the vacuum of space. Like, what's going on there? I, I don't understand it. Is Lorca hiding something? Or are we just being paranoid? <laughs> Do you think he's genuinely trying to save the Federation? I think he's hiding something, but I don't know that it's necessarily bad for the Federation. I could see it being like something that's not very moral, like doing some kind of dark experiments. I don't think he's like working for the Klingons or anything. Mm -hmm. So what do you think Laurel's plan for Vok is? I have absolutely no clue. Uh, they're going to meet someone and they're going to do something. I don't know what. I, I I really have no clue. I feel like maybe they're gonna anoint him as like a god king. I don't know how or why. What? Or maybe they're gonna team up with the Federation somehow. Even though I feel like you'd be totally against that. So yeah, I've got no clue. But that's all it. That that's all I got for this episode. I'm gonna go watch episode five. All right. Um... Uh, that was funny. <laughs> I always love Tyler's explanations for things, like without any context. We got a bit, see a bit more of like the Klingons and like what's happening on that side, and mm -hmm. essentially what's happening with the Federation and how this ship is supposed to be a game changer because yeah. he just jumps in, destroys a whole bunch of Klingon birds of prey or something, then zips back out. That scene was awesome. I thought that scene was so well done. But yeah, I don't know. I think one of my favorite parts in this one was there's that scene where Voke and Laurel are on the Shenzo, the uh, the remains of it. Yeah. Um, and they they kind of have like this 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 moment, I guess, and they're they're talking about their plan, I guess. Um, they're yeah. they're pretty vague about a couple things, and we find out why later. But um, just the fact that like they're scavenging like the old parts from the ship i thought that whole sequence was really cool like you could like it was like a, it was like a what do you call it like a sunken treasure ship you know oh yeah <laughs> had that kind of feel to it like everything was frozen because like there's no life support or anything like it just adrift in space i thought that was that was awesome so next up we have episode five choose your pain choose your pain Warning, Klingon tractor beam engaged. Captain Lorca was captured. We will find him. Where are we? A Klingon prison vessel. Prepare to jump. I don't know how much more the creature can sustain. I gave you an order. You seek glory. But glory must be earned through sacrifice. Stick with me. I'm a survivor just like you. Choose your pain. Admiral Mon benches the Discovery until the rest of the fleet can find rippers of their own, because Lorca is making the rest of the fleet look really bad, just like me on my second grade basketball team. That's definitely what happened. 
In a wonderful bit of cosmic retribution, Lorca is abducted from a shuttle and taken aboard a mysterious vessel full of mysterious Klingons who throw him in a cell with the mysterious Harry Mudd and the even more mysterious Ash Tyler. Okay, it's not really that mysterious. I mean, Ash Tyler is, but everything else is pretty straightforward. Burnham rubs around the ship, rubbing her theory that Ripper is anti-jumping in people's faces until Tilly's F-bomb convinces Stamets to turn himself into a hybrid and trip balls directly into the ship. Lorca and Ash devise a clever scheme to punch their way out of Klingon prison, which really hurts the feelings of Mud and the girl Klingon. You remember that one who was friends with the albino? Uh, she's apparently here and has a mysterious special relationship with Ash Tyler. On Discovery, everyone is mad at everyone, but mostly Saru is mad at Burnham because he somehow thinks that Giorgio's death is Burnham's fault? And the nurse doctor guy is mad at Stamets because he turned himself into a genetic freak. And also he's his boyfriend. In a closing shot that spoilers never really means anything or makes much sense, Stamets' reflection stays behind when he walks away from brushing his teeth like he's the goddamn mirror master. Choose your pain. So uh, a couple of things before we get into the questions. Uh, this is the episode with the F-bomb scene when uh, they discover that they can implant the required DNA from the tardigrade into a different living being potentially one that can provide consent which is their goal so uh tilly is like this is fucking cool and uh stamets is like this is fucking cool <laughs> it's funny just seeing her get like super embarrassed by having said that and then him you know Agreeing. We just need to integrate the same sequence into a compatible species, one that understands its role in this process and engages willingly. You guys, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> so sorry. No, Cadet. It is fucking cool. Let's do it. So, um, let's see. Into the questions. So, who was the MVP of this episode? Burnham, Stamets, Saru, Lorca, Colber, etc.? Um, who is Colbert? Just Google that shit, yeah, Google that shit, yeah, Google that shit all day long, yeah, Google that shit, yeah, Google that shit, yeah, Google that shit all day Hugh Colbert is the doctor guy. I did not know his name. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. To be fair, Colbert doesn't have a lot going on in these first few episodes. We definitely get to know uh, him a lot more towards the end of the season. Yeah. Kind of hard. Um, I feel like Stamets' self-sacrifice is the obvious choice here, but then again, I think Saru did a pretty good job as acting captain. Sure, he did some animal abuse, which is, you know, <laughs> not great, but honestly, what other option did he have? He had all those people depending on him. Uh, it was a tough call, but ultimately, it seems to have paid off. It's also pretty risky for him to give Michael the go-ahead to release uh, Ripper when it's, um, you know, currently Starfleet's most valuable asset. He commands her to save the tardigrade, so Michael gives it some spores and shoots it out into space, where it pops out of its survival mode and warps to somewhere far away with lightning jumping off of its body as if it has, like, somehow managed to harness the power of Thor. And it just, like, warps like a ship does, which is kind of weird. Just <laughs> travel to the far ends of the universe. My hope is that what makes it most happy is to be free.
Uh, I'm really curious to see if he receives any kind of punishment for that. Or if, like, Starfleet's like, yeah, we shouldn't do this. You're right. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to Soru for this. By ju- just a bit. Thoughts on Mud. I had no clue that Rain Wilson was in this show. I've seen him in, like, one movie, I think. Like, you know, other than The Office. So um, it was cool seeing him in a different part. I think he did a pretty good job portraying the gruff, like, slimy character. Um Curious to see if and how he escapes the Klingon ship. I, I don't know if he's going to be like a larger part of this episode or the series or this is it for him. Um, yeah, if we do see him again, I suspect he'll be like looking out for himself still. Adults and use our words. Stealing food was just a diversion. Even transmitting everything we say to the enemy. But I'm curious if he'll become like an antagonist sort of or kind of a protagonist like if anything he does affects you know the characters we care about in a negative or positive way what do you think about ash tyler so far he seems a bit sus (laughs) what were your initial thoughts of ash tyler uh i thought he was a bit weird but uh he seemed a bit more like a soldier than i would expect a federation officer to be like Mm -hmm. sorry sir i'm gonna have to insist you never know when they'll feed us you gotta keep up your strength I already lost one captain. I won't lose another. What's your name, Sawyer? Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Yeah, I mean, clearly there's something going on there, because he was on that ship for how long, they said? Like, months, right? Yeah, eight months or something? Yeah, so, definitely something up there. Hmm, I wonder what that is. He survived in the prison for, like, seven months or so, I think they said. (laughs) So he's probably sacrificed several other humans to save himself also. Plus, he chose to stick with Lorca even after learning his whole dark secret. The tragic tale of the USS Buran. I didn't let my crew die. I blew them up. So, yeah, I feel like he can't be all good. If we were being held captive as prisoners aboard Klingon D7 Battlecruiser. Klingon Class D7 Battlecruiser identified. And we're asked to choose your pain. Choose your pain. What do you think the best strategy would be? Okay, so I'm assuming for the scenario, it's me, Eric, Troy, and MC. And we're all like well-versed in Klingon psychological warfare. So we know when they point out at us and say, choose your pain, what they mean. Choose your pain. (laughs) Otherwise, I think there would be a lot of confusion. So the first time they ask us to choose your pain, choose your pain. I think we should all point at the Klingons. (laughs) <laughs> see if that works see if we're allowed to pick one of them that's a pretty good strategy man i don't know if that would work it might piss them <laughs> off they might just attack all of us <laughs> hey at that it's point it's worth a try like yeah it's worth a try and then um if they do attack us there's four of us yeah. might as well make a go of it like, yeah like come on yeah they, bring it they, they've got those They've got those forehead ridges, so you know to aim for their jaw, and you know to aim aim for the body. There there you go. It's all good. (laughs) Just don't hit them in the forehead. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe that'll work. Probably won't. So uh, when that plan fails, we sacrifice someone to the Klingons (laughs) so we can see what we're up against. Like, get a gauge for their abilities, strength. Like, Are we drawing straws in this situation? No, no. here's, Here's the thing. It, that will never work. It doesn't matter how long you take to um, 
study someone's fighting, it can always change. And um, you just got to go for it and hope <laughs> for the best. Yeah, You're going to get hit. See how quickly they kill someone. See if they're you know using a lethal force or just trying to knock them out. So I think most likely we'd pick Troy for that for obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious uh, the next reasons? time they come by, we would do something similar to what Lorca and Tyler did just because, hey, it worked. So we'll have one of us take like a, a punch, you know, take the fall and then, you know, use that as a distraction as we jump them and run for the ship. Uh, for That's basically what they did in this episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Uh, but I, I suggest that um, rather than that, we could hear them coming down along the hallway. Mm hmm. What we do is we have two people stand on either side of the door. Mm. That way, when someone steps in, mm -hmm. we uh, push them down, mm -hmm. and then the other two bum rush out the door. <laughs> and then uh, if there's anyone in the corridor, those two take those um, guards on. Yeah. While the other two um, close the door on the Klingons who are in the cell at that point. Sounds like it would work. <laughs> just just use some Kirk Fu. Taking the punch? We, we just jump him. <laughs> just jump him. Yeah. I'm going to pick MC. I think MC could probably take a punch. <laughs> uh, once in the escape pod, I don't really know what we would do because I'm not sure that any of us know how to pilot a 23rd century spaceship. We've played plenty of No Man's Sky at this point. I think we got this. So, yeah, we'd probably just die at that point. <laughs> or maybe they would recapture us, and then we'd be back in that situation again. Choose mm. your pain. What do you think the scene in the mirror means? So, this might be a spoiler if this is your first time watching uh, the first season of Discovery. So maybe skip, like, two minutes ahead, <laughs> and this will be, like, over. They head to bed, but Stamets image remains in the mirror watching them for a bit like a creepy perv so remember from when we were talking about the picard series someone made a joke about a character from that being from the mirror universe because they're wearing sunglasses apparently people from the mirror universe have a light sensitivity issue for some reason so in this episode that just clicked with me that hey Lorca has a light sensitivity issue he is probably from the mirror universe and that's probably also why he blew up his previous ship. <laughs> um, yeah, what that doesn't explain is why he wasn't court-martialed and sentenced to life in prison, along with Michael Burnham, for blowing up his entire ship. It's unclear to me at this point if uh, Stamets has uh, been swapped with his Mirror Universe self, or <laughs> if his Mirror Universe self has just been like activated at the end, because we... like see that it's like separate from him i don't even know what the mirror universe is really <laughs> um i'm also curious if maybe ash tyler is a mirror person something seems off with him like when he finds about finds out about um Lorca's light sensitivity i think that means something to him so maybe we'll find out next episode but i'm gonna go watch it so there's a lot to unpack there um, we, we, so we sort of accidentally spoiled the whole mirror universe twist for Tyler when we were talking about Picard. I, uh, someone did. I'm not going to name names and point fingers. 
I I didn't I did not call that ahead of time when I was watching this season. Did you? Mm, no. I think so. I think it was episode nine, and we'll get to that one. But I think that's the first time I had like a slight feeling that there was a chance that could be the case. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that on the next one, I think. But <laughs> do you want to just talk about that mirror scene? So I still don't know what it means. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Like I like it. This was after he injected himself with the spores, right? Yeah, and we're like, oh, is that something... Like, even now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they've explained why that happened. I think or... they were they were trying to, like, foreshadow some stuff and hint at something's kind of off, but they never... Usually, Star Trek has an explanation for everything that happens, and they never really explain that moment all that well, I don't think. No is like was it just a like a visual representation that he was split from reality a little bit or that he's or that he's perceiving the the multiverse in some way i i don't know how to like because that was not the delay in the mirror yeah yeah no it was in the mirror universe at all Uh, but um... yeah because we sort of spoilers but we meet the mirror version of stamets and that was not him so no captain incoming message oh uh tyler's uh jumping in right now hey how's it going hey uh how's how's chapter doing good i just gave him a bath (laughs) oh that's awesome uh so we were just uh we were just talking about choose your pain choose your pain we were talking about the the mirror scene the the creepy mirror scene yeah yeah yeah, I, I know in Troy's summary he said like well, it it had no point or something, but it, it's kind of explained a little bit later. A little bit now. Okay, so at this point you're actually on season two, right? Yeah, I've seen the first three episodes. Nice. Uh, so yeah, would love to hear your responses on episode six. Okay. is lost in a nebula we go in with the shuttle flying with nothing but hope and a prayer are you really that crazy good to know you launched an unauthorized rescue mission i'm trying to win a war and don't make enemies on your own side left a left 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 garlic of vulcan wait is it garlic or seric or selic or salic garlic garlic of vulcan sets off on a mysterious diplomatic mission which leads to his ship being mysteriously diplomatically exploded by an anti-federation vulcan suicide bomb on discovery burnham is mentoring tilly through preparing to enter the command track with jogging and burritos while wearing shirts that look like they ran out halfway through printing the word discovery Lorca and tyler are playing a video game with the best graphics i have ever seen while Lorca digs into tyler's mysterious past ben offers him a job because he quote fights like a Klingon. Meanwhile, Garlic Vulcan is dying so hard that Burnham flashes back to when she got kicked off of Vulcan and into Starfleet, because that's how mind melts work now. It turns out that the Vulcans were super racist towards Burnham and Spock, and would only let Garlic bring one of them to the cool Vulcan party. He picked Spock, who then decided to bail anyway, and Garlic never told Michael. (gasps) Admiral Vulcan tells us that two Klingon houses were trying to secede, which is where Garlic was headed, and Lorca's like, don't worry, I got this, and sets off to find Garlic and, hey, maybe befriend and or punch some Klingons. 
Uh, Stamets, down in engineering, is really high this episode because he's been hanging out with his mushrooms, like, all the time. Admiral Mom is pissed at Lorca for being just a perpetual butt all the time, so naturally he breaks out some booze and they do it. Afterwards, Lorca pulls out his sex gun on Admiral Mom, who says he hasn't been the same since his old ship blew up, and dumps his ass. Burnham does such a good job of breaking into Garlic's mind during the mind meld to rescue him that Lorca makes her the science officer for some reason. Admiral Mom gives Lorca an it's not you, it's me, oh wait, it's actually you speech, and tells him that he's gonna have to give up his ship when she gets back from finishing Garlic's mission, but <laughs> oopsies, that mission's a trap, and Admiral Mom gets abducted by Klingons real good. We close the episode on a shot of Lorca's luscious butt cheeks with a phaser just really jammed up there. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is episode six, Lethe? 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 Isn't it just Lethe? Lethe? Lethe. Lethe? Yeah. I think. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so you ask, who's my favorite character so far? And uh, so I answered all of these questions as I was going to have like mm-hmm. my like honest thoughts like documented. So <laughs> at, at the time, it was Michael. I think she would really started to grow on me at this point in the show. Because, yeah, like the first episode, I don't know. I just found her kind of annoying. <laughs> like the decisions she was making were just... Yeah, just kind of annoying. <laughs> but yeah, she had really grown on me as a character at this point. Um, you know, she's not perfect, but... Well, I kind of like that about her character. Like, she really does have growth, you know? And I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode. Like, that's one thing that really sets Discovery apart from a lot of the other Star Trek series is that there's character arcs. I know that sounds weird, but like, you know, they have, uh, you know, room to grow. So yeah. And you really get, like, basically her, like, full backstory in this episode. That So that probably mm-hmm. helped, too. Definitely. I feel like some of that maybe should have been a little bit earlier, but... Yeah. And I think it's it also... It's a cool way to show it. Um, how she interacts with Tilly. Like, she becomes, like, her mentor around this time. And I, I like Definitely. that. I thought the scene where she's um, ordering, like, healthy breakfast burritos <laughs> from the <laughs> um, replicator was funny. Definitely. So my least favorite character is literally all of the Klingons. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. All of them. Like, I, like so the, Vogue, I like the design. Laurel. Yeah. But like at this point, I'm just like, where is this going? Like this. Yeah. And then truth be told, by the end, I'm like, why did this go here? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But, oh, so we, we've already talked a bit about um, Lower Decks. So you've... You watched the second episode as well, didn't you, Tyler? Yeah. So you got a bit more of an idea of what the paths are like uh, in a Starfleet career. So what did you think of that? Uh, About Lower Decks or about... Yeah. Oh, well, that and in the show. Like, you can clearly see, like, you can choose a path. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I really, that was my favorite part of the episode was uh, Rutherford jumping around from like path to path. <laughs> like, that I was awesome. I think it's my own personal anxiety made it like work for me every time. Like, he would try to tell like his boss that he wanted to like change. <laughs> and like, after the first time, I should know that they're all just going to be like, yeah, it's totally fine. But every time, yeah. they got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's like the friendliest military, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I can't really comment on, you know, like it, it's really different in this and um, in Discovery 
and lower decks because like lower decks you know like mm-hmm. he just like jumps in he does a test and he's in that branch you know <laughs> like this yeah. you, you know you have tilly running <laughs> that's really all she's doing at this point <laughs> well yeah and then we have um Lorca and um ash tyler mm-hmm. uh he, they're doing their security thing yeah yeah which tyler as security is interesting because of things we learn later right <laughs> okay so <laughs> why did they put him in charge of security because he was really good at because he fought like a Klingon. But that should make them more suspicious. <laughs> I don't know. I like feel they like trust him way too quickly in this episode. Someone that just got like tortured a lot. Like someone yeah. who just got tortured a lot should probably not be in charge of literally anything. He shouldn't even be serving on that ship. They need to drop him off at the nearest star base to go under some evaluation, man. Yeah. It's weird. I right away I knew something was up with this character in every episode like as it was coming out I was like what is up with this Tyler character yeah it's weird <laughs> that they didn't give him like a full examination because he yeah. got tortured yeah. like you know like oh see. my god Lorca's idea of uh dealing with PTSD is <laughs> uh give them work and let them shoot things mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly well that leads into your next question which is any mm-hmm. characters you're suspicious about? Ha! And yeah, Lorca and Tyler. <laughs> yeah, you were right on on the money with that. I, at this point, I thought like maybe Tyler was like in on like whatever Lorca's thing was because I had kind of mm-hmm. guessed that he was from like the Mirror Universe or like a different universe. Yeah, I wish we hadn't spoiled that for you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because like I I don't know if that's something that's uh, from like previous Star Trek series you would know that you know someone with like sensitivity to light might be from somewhere else or that's just this i think that was first introduced on this show okay um but the mirror universe definitely shows up in the other shows and we haven't covered any of those episodes yet i'm really excited about those ones oh yeah there's so many there's a few of my favorite ones so yeah i think there was like a few seasons there in ds9 where they just like yeah. it kept happening mm-hmm. where the mirror universe would pop in on them and yeah. it was great <laughs> i wish we had more time before discovery season three starts because we we gotta watch some of those episodes yeah there's things that they reference in well we'll get to those episodes we'll get to them yeah like i i know <laughs> uh like mud's like a character in other series and mm-hmm. I just saw him for, for the first time on the show, and I'm kind of like, I can easily tell which episodes have him in it because it's like <laughs> something something mud, <laughs> yeah. In the title. So, but yeah, yeah, Rain Wilson is great in that role too. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. He's just chewing scenery all over the place. Yeah, I'm a little sad that I don't get to watch any classic Star Trek until like January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got twenty something weeks. Yeah, just straight Discovery. Uh, so yeah, uh, the next question you had was theories on where this is going, and I was like, I don't know. I guess like I, I thought like Lorca and Tyler were like in on something together. Like Tyler was, you know, it part of like the Mirror Universe too. So I'm like, mm. are they trying to take over like this universe or something? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next question was, oh. 
uh, we get a good amount of Burnham's backstory through her mel- meld mend. You, mm-hmm. her, mind meld. Her, yeah, that's, but that's not what you have written. You have written what her her <laughs> mild mend. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> her, yeah. Anyways, it's my phone's auto. Her mind meld with uh, Sarek. It's is it Sarek? Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's not garlic. Yeah, garlic, Sarek. So, uh, as someone what? new to the franchise, how do you feel about the Spock connection? Mm. And uh, so, I saw this episode before we watched the Wrath of Khan. No, no, no. Oh, really? Was he? No, he was in. He's okay. in. He's in Search for Spock. Yeah, which you've only seen the first half of. And we mistaken. haven't talked about it yet. But yeah. yeah, so he's in that. So I saw this before I saw that. Mm. So uh, okay. I got introduced to him, you know, through Discovery, which is kind of funny. So and I, and I also cool. guessed that he was Spock's dad, just because I'm like. How many how many other Vulcans do we know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and also like just this era, you know, like it's yeah. it's you know. Well, not just this era, but mm-hmm. uh, it he's would be weird to DM. not have a connection with Spock, almost. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I well, it felt, well, it felt a little bit like Ray Palpatine to me. Oh, you mean the Michael thing? Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's just like you know, like we we know this other Vulcan, like you know, they they have to be connected somehow <laughs> like i'm yeah, pretty sure you. i'm assuming spock never mentions his sister no but there is precedence for that huh i i can't talk about it because that episode's on the list okay so. yeah i'm gonna be real vague i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> star trek fans will know what i'm talking about hmm. it's not out of character for spock to not talk about his family can we uh address that scene um where we first see him sarek yeah he's called ambassador Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um uh, that where he gets blown up is like that was nuts. So nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the concept of Vulcan extremists. I think that's kind of great. They're called <laughs> yeah. logic extremists. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah the, the name <laughs> makes me laugh. Because but... <laughs> it's such an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I have as one of our notes, um, uh, like, something to talk about is how even logic can't defeat racism right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well logic extremism it's very logical yeah yeah oh, how good. it how do you logically justify <laughs> suicide bombing you, you can't you can't it, like <laughs> i i understand how sometimes there's certain situation where there's certain situations where logic is not the right course I mean, Star Trek brings up a lot of those, like, really deep questions, right? Yeah. But blowing, like, like a suicide bombing, like, I don't see how any line of reason could lead you to that being a good action, you know? Yeah. Or the right action. So it's a little weird. But uh, I like the idea so... of there being, you know, crazy Vulcan extremists still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... There was other characters that we saw when they had the mind meld mm-hmm. as well. That's right. That's right. Uh, Amanda's in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I think she does a good job in that role. Um, I can't remember the actress's name, but 
yeah she was she was really good yep and we, and we see more of her in season two we we see a lot more of her <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I still haven't seen spock yet <laughs> oh you have okay no. okay i'm gonna shut up <laughs> <laughs> well okay i've seen kid spock so the last question you had was um who do you think dies in the next episode (laughs) 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 and my episode wasn't wrong i mean my episode my answer wasn't wrong uh because i i guess lorca Mm -hmm. i think he dies the most on screen at least (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so the answer to the question is everyone dies several times (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i'm really looking forward to that one that was a good one (laughs) uh to be honest i really thought um I don't know her mm-hmm. name, the Admiral that Lorca's involved with. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to die because of the whole like getting kidnapped by Klingons. Yeah, or, I was kind of yeah. surprised that she survived <laughs> to the end of the season. Yeah. What's crazy, so when, when I was first watching this, it seemed like there was like a character dying like every episode. Like It, it yeah. almost felt like this was a, sh- a show about red shirts that all wore <laughs> blue, you know? <laughs> um and i kind of like that about it like this first season like really drew me in because i was like i have no idea what's gonna happen well there's like a twist like like every other episode a whole war is going on at the same time right like and it's off in the background mostly Mm -hmm. every now and then we pop into the war and yeah yeah it's sort of like oh yeah that's still going on in the background (laughs) Yeah, it, exactly. but this ship can just travel like it does. So <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, I think I'm going to leave you guys to to wrap up the episode because I told Felicia I would be away <laughs> for 15 minutes and it's been like 18. Okay. So oh shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for jumping in, man. Yep. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. One, one to be him out. Uh, all right. Well, do we have any other points we need to hit? Oh, uh, you want to talk about threat ganglia? Yeah. So. We saw it on earlier episodes uh, where Saru's little neck things come out and th- there's this little CGI thing yeah. uh, where his nerves are like, oh, it's there's a threat. And right at the beginning, Michael was, uh, like, whenever she was, like, getting on the ship, that he registered that as a threat. Yeah. but it, I love uh, that concept. Like, uh, the Kelpians. Yeah, and... I can't talk about it yet. Oh, I can't There's wait for that. So episode. much that happened. Are you talking about season two? Yeah. With the, where they go back to what's his planet called? Oh, I can't remember. Oh dang. Um, We're terrible Discovery fans. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll definitely get into that. So when they first dropped the trailer for Discovery, like really early on, there was like one like one little clip of Saru and he said something like um the kelpians were bred for only one purpose to sense the coming of death or something like that and without the context of everything else i was a little weirded out by that i was like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense what um so but now that i've seen the show i I totally makes sense i think it's great you know talking about things that don't make sense uh how did the mind meld thing how does it keep working like this what was going on with all that like i think so i think mind melds are the closest that star trek gets to to magic you know (laughs) yeah it's one of those things that's kind of just like pseudoscience you know really the spore drive kind of kind of is too but yeah um yeah okay yeah i just you know 
you just gotta roll with it i guess <laughs> i i do think it's a little weird that they're able to do a mind meld over long distances like that like i it almost makes sense that you i can kind of buy the mind meld when they're like contact like when they're touching yeah because it's like nerves you know electricity passing between them or yeah whatever. like that but the long distance stuff yeah like wireless mind melding yeah it's it is a little weird um that said i thought the memory sequences in this episode were fantastic i thought they were really well done um yeah but yeah i think that's that's all i have for that one well there's also um of course admiral cornwell uh getting kidnapped by the klingons that's right yeah and cole expanding his um federation of klingon houses i think I think Cole's a pretty interesting character in this show. Um, yeah. When when they killed off Takuvma, I was a little worried because I was like, you know, I don't know if Lorel can really fit those shoes as a villain, you know? Just because, like, we've seen, like, more of, like, a sympathetic side of her, you know? She's not, like, a yeah. straight-up evil character. Not that Takuvma was either, but Cole is, like, a real villain. Um, and also, I think he's a reference to another Klingon character later on, right? Isn't there a House of Cole? yeah all right so next time we're doing the next arc of discovery which is episode seven eight and nine of discovery Mm -hmm. which are magic to make the (laughs) sanest man go mad i love that title sis (laughs) param bellum i'm not even gonna try it i think it's it's yeah it's latin greek latin yeah (laughs) yeah and into the forest i go yeah yeah i'm psyched about those ones like a lot happens in these next few episodes so yeah uh you can listen to more of mc and troy on the best animated shows ever so far where they watch discuss and rank every cartoon ever so far based on its first three episodes you guys are jumping into samurai jack next right yeah there might be a week delay so i when this one comes out we probably won't have an episode out this week that's okay i still haven't gotten my newest episode up for my podcast um speaking of that you can find more of my work on epic fails of history that's epic with a k where i talk about humanity's greatest failures and what we can learn from them you can then find all of us on podcasters assemble where this season we're reviewing all the bond movies and a countdown to bond 25 i think the next one's license to kill i think that's the next one that people can submit for and you can find links to everything I just mentioned in the show notes, as well as links to everyone's social media and a link to our Discord channel where you can chat with all of us about Star Trek and stuff. Uh, we're going to beam over to the disco party on the Discovery. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Two to beam out. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
that uh, like one that I brewed. Yeah. And it was it was sour. That's not good. And I drank it all because it still tasted good. Did you feel and it later? Yeah. Later oh, on, God. my stomach was like, hey, no. that probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And I was like, worth it. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.